From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So if you are, um, if you're just joining us today, this is, this is not a normal service for us. Um, I had the funny thought in my mind, though, that normal is boring. <laughs> but that's not true, because I really enjoy our gatherings, and I, and I think that what makes things like this special is because we set them apart and we consecrate them to the Lord. And so what I'm not going to do this morning, for those of you who are joining us or new to our community, is I'm not going to go through a long discussion on the baptism of the Spirit and the gift of tongues, because we've done that. And if you're part of our general email um, inbox, I sent out an email this week kind of pointing to some previous messages that you can go and kind of preemptively, you know, learn and, and kind of dive into the scriptures in that way. What we're doing this morning is I'm going to glance on some stuff, but really just to help stoke the flame. So if you're not there in theology, then what I need you to do is just trust you need to trust the Lord, and you need to trust the Spirit of God, and I'm asking you, especially if you're part of our community, to trust me, okay? I got, a, I got a, a Disney movie in my head because in our house, we have young kids, so we watch Disney movies, and one of the classics is Aladdin. Anybody remember Aladdin? Some of you are like, I don't know, I don't care where you're going with this. There's this iconic scene where Aladdin is pretending to be this prince, and he's on the magic carpet, and he's asking Jasmine, the princess, to come and get on the carpet so they can go flying together, right? And she's a little apprehensive of stepping on this carpet, which is interesting because she's got a pet tiger. And you're like, someone's got a pet tiger would have a little bit of boldness. But she's a little apprehensive to step on this carpet. She doesn't trust she's going to be safe. And he extends out a hand and he says, do you trust me? And she, <laughs> I'm using this to preach. I'm using Aladdin to preach this morning. And so she takes his hand, and she, she steps on the carpet because she trusts him. And so in the same way, I'm just asking you to trust me, and I'm asking you to trust God, to let God do what he does. But, I, but I'm asking you that for the Spirit to move in you in this way, Lord, the Lord does not possess you, okay? The Lord's not going to come upon you and take complete, absolute control of you. He works in partnership with you. So you have to yield to him, but you have to be open, and I feel like there's this thread through the service of just coming like a, like a child before the Lord. So if you have a Bible, Luke chapter, I'm going to read a few different texts. Luke, the first is from Luke chapter 11. And then we're going to read um, a couple of those texts in Acts, one we've already read. Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 13 says this, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Because you are bold enough to go to your friend and say, I need some bread to give to my friend. Your friend in the night, because of your shameless audacity, would give it. Jesus continues. He says, so I say to you, 
Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Shameless audacity. Asking for the Holy Spirit so boldly. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 8. So this is post-resurrection, just before Jesus would ascend to heaven. It says, on one occasion while Jesus, he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my fathers promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter two, one through four, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Holy Spirit, right now we ask, as we just briefly share and discuss and I share, we ask you to come. We come boldly with shameless audacity, asking you for your outpouring this morning on us. So we humbly submit ourselves to you. So stir, God, that kindling inside of us, that fire inside of us right now. In Jesus' name. And if you're with me, you said amen. amen. So today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is the 50th day after Easter. It's the day that we as Pentecostals specifically, but in the church calendar, set apart as the day to commemorate the spirit being poured out on the church. It's that empowerment that Jesus promised that we just talked about, that empowered the people to be witnesses as they waited in prayer in Acts chapter 2. And then later on, as we read in the scriptures, when the spirit would be poured out to those who would pray when someone laid their hands on them to receive. A baptism of the spirit is something, we need to understand this, that is given to the church to empower the church for mission. I think sometimes we look at baptism of the Spirit as something that the elite use to, to have for themselves in their private prayer, prayer closets at home. So the people are having their own little Holy Ghost moments in their prayer closet, but that's not what the empowerment of the Spirit is for. That's not what baptism of the Spirit is for. It's to empower the church to share the gifts of the Spirit, to build one another up within the church, and to enable the church with boldness to share the gospel. It is rocket fuel for mission. And that needs to be understood. We must not miss that. So, we are missing something that serves to build us up and to send us out when we're not filled with the Spirit. Maybe churches aren't being built up 
And maybe churches and people aren't sharing the gospel because they're not spirit-filled. But I believe that God is calling Parkway to be renewed in the spirit. To receive baptism of the spirit, the full measure of the spirit, enabling us to prophesy to one another, to others. To speak in tongues, both in the corporate sense here, we've had that done, and as a private prayer language. And see more healings among us. This was characteristic of the early church and the first few centuries of the church. It's been the bedrock of Pentecostalism for the last hundred years. And so we're going to seek the Holy Spirit today, right? We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Spirit, to receive the gift of tongues, to prophesy. We're going, to, we're going to, as Paul said, eagerly and earnestly desire those greater gifts. We're going to come for that. But I want to encourage you this morning that if for whatever reason God does not bless you that way or not touch you that way, that you will leave filled and touched by God. I've never encountered anybody who's earnestly spent time in prayer at an altar, wherever, pursuing God and not left moved by God. So it's not wasted ground, and it's not wasted time. It is time well spent when you pursue everything that he has. As Paul says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the greater gifts, especially, says, prophecy. So my intent, though, I want you to know, my intent this morning is not to make us radically charismatic. Although as I wrote that down, I thought about that, I th- I, th- I thought this morning, I'm like, wait a second. I like the term radical, radical because I believe that Christians should be radically sold out for Jesus. And I believe that what was modeled in Christians in the early church was radical faith. And so in, in, in one sense, we do need to be radical. And I do believe that we do need to be charismatic. We need to allow the spirit to flow with, through us, through those manifest waves so that we can build one another up. So yes, we need to be radically charismatic. But my intention is not to install chandeliers and have a swing on them, if you know that analogy, right? That's not my intention, is to, to go kooky and crazy. If you know me, you know my heart. My heart is always for the gospel to be practical and accessible so we planted, as an analogy this morning, we planted a few fruit trees in our backyard, and I've killed a few trees over the time in our backyard as well. And so I've contacted the nursery a few times and said, how do I water and take care of these trees so that they will be established in my yard? Because if you're in Corona, then I don't know about Sarnia or outskirts, but I know that I have clay. I have grass and then clay. Right? There's no good, good soil there. And so what I was instructed to do was take my tap and attach a hose to it and then just turn it ever so slightly to a small trickle, just so there was a little trickle coming out of this hose, and then put that hose right up against the tree and let it water for an hour or so, a little bit every day, just that constant flow to nurse the tree because a a big pouring of water or a rainfall is not enough. In fact, a lot of that water runs off and actually does not get to the roots of the tree. Huh. you know, I didn't know that. We had the pouring of rain. I thought, this is fantastic. Don't need to waste my water or pay for it. Not enough. Killed a few trees that way. So they said, just put this trickle of a tap right up to the tree and let it nourish the tree or fill a bucket, 
hang it on the tree if the tree's strong enough and poke a little hole and let that just constantly flow onto the roots. And that, in a way, is like the Spirit of God when you give your life to Jesus as a believer. The Spirit of God comes up and takes residence in your life, and now you have a flow of the Holy Spirit nourishing you. Now, what I can do in my home is I can take tools in my garden and attach it to that hose, such as a sprinkler. And I can put my tap on full blast. Let the flow happen fully, completely, no restriction, no hindrance. And allow it to move through my tools like my sprinkler and water my whole garden. And in a way, I equate that to the baptism of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit. It's turning the tap to full measure and allowing the fullness of the Spirit to flow through you to water all of your life and those around you. Now, I'm, I'm very like, I try to find easy ways to water my garden, so I use the sprinkler often to water my veggie garden. I set the sprinkler and go, I don't want to sit there and go, I don't got time for that. But I'm going to use the tools available to me to make sure that my garden can flourish abundantly. I was sent a, a, an image, I guess, a reel on Instagram the other day from one of you, and you'll know who you are. And I just got it this morning. And it was talking about the filling of the Spirit, and it used two different jars, maybe three different jars. And the one jar represented the Holy Spirit, and it was just pure crystal clear water. Imagine a jar before him with crystal clear water. That is the Holy Spirit. And then they took another jar, and they said, this is kind of like our lives with as believers, when we first give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes, and it was a jar that was mucky and dirty, and it was just full of us and full of stuff. You know, you add a little bit of water, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's in there, but there's not a lot of room for the whole measure of the Holy Spirit because we got a lot of us in there. And we know that to be true, right? In our own lives, in our own ways, we fill our lives with more of us than more of God, more of me and less of Christ. But what we do is when we come to the Holy Spirit and we ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us and fill us again and fill us anew and fill us refreshed is to make room by emptying ourselves completely of us so that he can come in full measure. Make no mistake, person, today, this morning. You will not be filled with the Spirit like we were speaking about if you are full of yourself. So if you want the Spirit of God to move through you, then you need to come humbly and empty yourself. I love, and I preach it often, John the Baptist, less of me, more him. He must increase, I must decrease. Um, too often, however, we do believe that we have taught, or it's taught in some places, that you, if you don't have the, Holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. And so in our roundabout ways in our minds, this stops us from actually pursuing everything God has for us because we think, well, I'm a believer. Don't I have the Spirit of God? And we begin to reason our way out of actually pursuing all that the Holy Spirit has for us as opposed to just coming. Billy Graham once said, I love this, he says, anything short of a Spirit-filled life is less than God's plan for each believer. And if you look through the book of Acts, the New Testament, periodically the believers were filled and filled again and filled again. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul commends us to be filled with the Spirit. And if you look into the original language, what he has behind that meaning is a continual filling. It's not just one time. I've said this before. Sometimes we are filled with the Spirit 
and we're never go back to the spirit again. And there are people supposedly who have spoken in tongues, who have prophesied, who have worked miracles, and you've been baptized in the spirit, but you look nothing like Jesus. And I know people who do not speak in tongues and who do not prophesy, and they look more like Jesus than, than you do. We gotta come back to the well and be refilled. We need a refreshing of spring water. So there's one baptism, the Bible says, Ephesians chapter four, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, but I, I like to preach it this way, and I've said it before, multiple fillings. Come back to the well, right? Come back to the spring. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been filled with the spirit, with those manifestations before, but you're like, I'm dry. And I just need to be the Holy Spirit to pour out on me once again. So in the first few centuries, um, water baptism, this is going to teach a little bit about Pentecost. Water baptism was a rite of passage that was connected to spirit baptism manifested in some way. This is post-scripture, first few centuries. Because the pattern in scripture was that they, they were baptized, they believed they were baptized in water, and then they were filled with the spirit. You read about that often throughout Acts the early church would, would do this. Someone would believe and then they would teach them the way of Christ and then they would baptize them in water and then they would lay their hands on them to be filled with the Spirit. That was the pattern. And so what would often happen is there would be a water baptism and then the apostle or the leader or the bishop as it came to would come and lay their hands on the person that was just baptized in water and this became a sacrament in the church. And they laid their hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. And it kind of moved to more of a symbolic thing than anything. But as time grew on, uh, moved on and the church grew and the church spread and became more organized and, you know, you know third century, fourth century, the, the Christianity became kind of national religion of the nation, they organized this. And so about two, three times a year, they would have baptism services. And this was all encompassing, baptism and Holy Spirit baptism. If you water believe you believed you were you were catechized you were taught in the way of scripture, and then you would have your water baptism. Then they would come and lay hands on you to be filled with the Spirit. But eventually, what happened is more converts were coming, more people were coming to faith, and so the leader, the bishop, didn't have time to get around to each baptism ceremony, and so he would come at a later time, at a later time to lay his hands on someone to be filled with the Spirit. And this is what actually led the way for confirmation in the Catholic Church. Do you know that? That's how confirmation came to be. They would confirm later the baptism that you had at infancy. But what happened was they moved away from, and we moved away from, we moved towards a more symbolic laying on of hands and less of an experience where the Spirit is manifested in some way. But initially... Spirit baptism manifested in some way. Speaking in tongues, prophecy, healing, which were not only signs of the Spirit on someone's life, but they were gifts to function within the church. It was the marker. These were the marker of the beginning of the Christian life. You weren't said to be a follower until you were Spirit baptized, until there was evidence of the Spirit moving through you. We need, at least in our context, another move of the Spirit. We need a renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday, we're going to pray. 
Now, the original Pentecost, if you don't know this, the original Pentecost happened 50 days after the crossing of the Red Sea by the Israelites as they arrived at Mount Sinai and God gave the, the Torah, the law of Moses, the law to the people. And so modern day Jews today celebrate Pentecost as the giving of the law, the giving of, of Moses' law at Mount Sinai. Now, during that time, if you go to Exodus chapter 19, there was a loud trumpet that sounded. It was a shofar. And that trumpet grew louder and louder and louder and louder. And it says that in Exodus 19, verse 19, and the voice of God answered him. Some translations in your Bible might say, God answered him with thunder. Jewish commentary, the Midrash, says this, when God gave the Torah on Sinai, he displayed untold marvels to Israel with his voice. What happened? God spoke and the voice reverberated throughout the whole world, it says, and all the people witnessed the thunderings. Jewish commentary. This was the first Pentecost. There's a famous rabbi by the name of Johanna ben Zakkai, if I pronounce that correctly. In the same commentary in the Midrash, he says this, God's voice, as it was uttered, split into 70 voices in 70 languages so that all of the nations understood. If you know numbers in the Bible are, are most often symbolic, seven is the number of God, the number of perfection, and 70 is a multiple of 10. And 10 in Judaism is the number of small parts put together to make a whole. So God was not just speaking to one people group, one tribe, but he was speaking and giving the Torah for all people of all time. That's Judaism. Another rabbi by the name of Moshe Wiseman, Wiesman, he wrote about the first Pentecost and said this, in the occasion of, of the giving of the Torah, the children of Israel not only heard the Lord's voice, but actually saw the sound waves as they emerged from the Lord's mouth. They visualized them as a fiery substance. Each commandment that left the Lord's mouth traveled around the entire camp and then to each Jew individually asking him, do you accept upon yourself this commandment with all the Jewish law pertaining to it? And every Jew answered yes after each commandment. Finally, the fiery substance which they saw engraved itself on the tablets. So at the first Pentecost, we have multiple languages coming from the voice of God represented by fire. According to Judaism, I invite you guys can get ready. Assemble. I'm so dad joke corny sometimes. Fast forward to Acts chapter two. Jews from all over the known world are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. Thousands and thousands of people are gathered. They're in the temple, they're worshiping God, and they're thanking him for the Torah, and they're most likely reading from Jeremiah 31. They're reading the text that says that God is gonna make a new covenant with his people, and he's gonna write his law on their minds and on their hearts. And then they walk out and hear the sound of violent wind. And then they hear voices speaking in all different languages. In a manner, the scripture says, like tongues of fire. Wind, fire, voices. This is what they were taught happened at the first Pentecost. Now happening again as the Holy Spirit is given to the people of God. And so here are the people of Jesus 
like us gathered together waiting for God's promise. It says devoting themselves to prayer and the Spirit's coming on them like a baptism. If you can imagine the imagery of a water baptism, full immersion, like a baptism, fully engulfing the person so that what wells up in them is tongues and prophecy. And this was the expectation of the outpouring of the Spirit. They believed that when God would send his Spirit, as Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2, they believed that God would send his Spirit on Pentecost. And this is what we recall to mind and what we seek after today. Jesus said, this is what will empower you to be my people and my witnesses. So wait and be baptized in the Spirit. And let me tell, uh, tell you, church, that this is not just some spiritual metaphorical message for Jesus. Like it was a physical event that took place. So what do we do? We'd be filled with the Spirit, as Paul says. You're here today, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Eagerly desire those greater gifts. Not kind of want. Not if it happens. Not should the Lord will. Not if he wants to. Right? Notice that Paul doesn't say, hey, you should, you know, when you're gathering together and there's a tongue and there's an interpretation and prophecy, you know, just... These are all good. Make sure you follow the way of love. And if you'd like to, and from time to time, should the Lord will it, desire some gifts, he says, no, follow the way of love and eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. Eagerly. This is the word that we've shared here before called pneumaticos, and it's best translated spirituals. And one um, scholar suggests it, it would be even better translated things the Spirit does. So what happens when the Spirit flows among his people, when the Spirit is poured out? You have tongues. You have prophecy. You have words of wisdom. You have words of knowledge. You have healings. Because these are the things the Spirit does, and we are to eagerly desire them. According to my Bible, maybe you, wrote, you crossed that part out in your Bible. church, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Some of you for the first time. Some of you need to be filled again. We need to call on God in prayer and open that tap to full measure so it can water the whole garden. And I believe that God wants to do this for us today, specifically with those manifestations of tongues. We're going to pray in the Spirit that you would be baptized in the Spirit. I don't know about Eli. Come on up here, buddy. So this week, on Thursday night, tensions are a little hot bedtime for me. Our oldest daughter, she's way overtired, and every emotion is coming through her, and I kept my composure for a time, but please know I'm human. And eventually, I could no longer control my emotion. And Abby, our baby, was also 
possibly teething again and screaming. So I was holding the baby because Jody was, you know, she moves like crazy. She's getting her things ready for bed and the baby's screaming in my arms because I'm not mommy, I know. And I don't have the gifts that mommy has, I know. Thanks for reminding me, baby, again. And our oldest daughter is screaming because who knows what. And now I'm screaming because I'm dysregulated. <laughs> and at the same time, we had sent our boys down a pattern for us as we kind of get things going. And then they go down and get ready for bed and they do their prayer time and they do their devotion time. And, and that's not anything fancy. It's usually, you know, we taught them a simple acronym to follow to, to pray and then, or they read the Bible and then they pray and, and then that's it. And Eli comes up in the midst of these tensions and he goes, Daddy, and I don't even listen because I didn't even have time for it at the moment. Remember that? I'm like, get downstairs right now. Human moment. So I, with babies with Jody now, she puts the baby to bed. I get, no, actually, I think you might have did both the girls because I just couldn't handle it anymore. I just, so I go downstairs, and the, there's still fire in my blood, and it's not the Holy Ghost fire. And I have a conversation with him about, you know, listening to instructions. And when I finally get out my piece as the, the uncontrolled, dysregulated, authority person in the home, he says, I need to tell you what happened in prayer. And I'm going to let him tell you. You ready? Yes, I, I guess so. So I was praying, and then God put words in my mind, and I felt like I... No, you need to say it in there. Oh. So I said them out loud, and then I started speaking in tongues. What are the things you said out loud? Um, what did you, put in your mind? you are so holy. There is no other God like you. So he had, he's, in his prayer time, he said that God put words in his mind to say out loud, and those words were, you are so holy, you are so mighty. And then... Then I started speaking in tongues. Then I had a vision, and it was a nice sunny day. Everyone was on a large rock, and they were partying. And then the sky turns red, and the rock crumbles into tiny pieces, and everyone falls into nothingness. So he tells me this. And I, I think I may have even asked you, I said, did this really happen? Did you, re- you really speak in tongues? Like, I'm skeptical. And I felt, and then at the same time as I'm saying that, I'm praying in my, my own heart. I'm like, Lord, is this real? Or is this, you know? And the Lord says to me, you've been fasting and praying for an outpouring of the Spirit all week. And here it is like a child. Now let me read, you stay here. I'm gonna read from Acts chapter two. This is Peter now addressing the crowd and he's quoting from Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. 
Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. So we start talking to him about about that and about that vision. And we believe that it was a picture of the end of days because it quite literally patterned after scripture. Thanks, buddy. Now, I know what someone might be thinking. Oh, man, I wish my family was like pastor's family. We are broken people chasing after the Holy Spirit. And most of the time, in fact, for me, 99% of the time, I'm like you, and I'm looking at some other family going, why can't my kids, why can't they? And then I wonder if they're getting it. And then God does that. And usually when Eli has something to share in prayer, he'll come and be like, this is what I heard. And it might be like, peace. It might be like a scripture that he learned previously in, you know, Bible club or something. And, I, and he'll just say it. And I'm like, oh, that's that scripture. So this was distinctive for him. God putting praise in his, in his mind to praise. And then from there, he just kept praying and tongues came out and then a vision. And I share that with you and we share that because you need to come before the Lord like a child. And have a childlike faith. But the same spirit that is accessible to him and available for him and can be poured out him even when he's not pursuing the Holy Spirit can be poured out on you in the same manner, in the same way. You just need to get your mind aside and your reasoning aside and just come humbly before the Lord. Less of me, more of you. So here's what we're going to do. I invite you to stand. And for those of you that are online now, I'm going to thank you for joining us. And I want to encourage you in this moment to take some time and kneel before the Lord in prayer with your hands open. It's just a posture of reception and and openness and submission, surrender, and just, just begin to ask for the Holy Spirit. He says, He's a good father who gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask shamelessly. Thank you for joining us. We pray pray peace on you. Pray the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus on those that are listening right now. Holy Spirit, fill. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, 
weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.